1: It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to
0: learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
1: I was doing a usual solitary hike and camped by a small lake. It was still pretty close to civilization, though you needed a car to get to the place or walk for an entire day. At this lake, you could rent small boats for fishing, and I saw people get back with their boat.
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
1: Finally, I was alone. I ate, read, put the fire out, and went to bed. I was awakened by a woman screaming in absolute terror, followed by an awful, gurgling sound. I have never woke up so fast, and with such adrenaline, I instinctively grabbed my knife and looked out the small hole of my tent facing the lake. What I saw was a light in the middle of the lake flailing about. It was an elderly couple still out fishing, and the woman had fallen in. Her life vest wasn't tight enough, and it had gotten above her head, so she was inhaling a lot of water. The old man was panicking, saying it's all right, it's all right, dear, but kept rowing around in circles. I had to get his attention. I threw my rope with a rock attached to it and pulled him into shore, then applied some first aid to the woman and strongly suggested them to go to the E.R., I am a medical professional, and the woman was definitely in a danger zone with her chronic diseases and status. I still can hear that scream when I think about it, and I fear every time that I will hear it the next time I'm hiking alone, but not be able to find a source for it. I am a park ranger at the Grand Canyon National Park. The Grand Canyon is a breathtaking natural wonder that stretches 277 miles long and has been carved by the Colorado River over millions of years. The walls of the canyon reach heights of over a mile and offer a diverse array of geological formations and wildlife. Each day I am on patrol, I am reminded of the beauty and power of nature. Today, I was on my usual patrol when I received a radio transmission from a park visitor. They claimed to have seen a Bigfoot near the south rim. As a park ranger, I have heard many strange stories, but this one caught my attention. I decided to investigate despite the skepticism of my colleagues. As I approached the area, I noticed something moving in the bushes. I cautiously approached, and suddenly a large, hairy creature lunged at me. It was Bigfoot. I managed to dodge its attack and radioed for backup. But before they could arrive, Bigfoot attacked me again. This time I was not so lucky. I was knocked unconscious and awoke to find myself in a cave with a broken leg. I was trapped in the cave, unable to move and with no means of calling for help. As I lay there, I remembered something strange about the visitor who had reported the Bigfoot sighting. They had seemed too eager to report it almost as if they had been waiting for someone to come to this area. Days passed, and I was running out of food and water. Just when I had given up hope, a group of park visitors found me and called for help. I was rescued and taken to a hospital where I learned the horrifying truth. The visitor who had reported the Bigfoot sighting was actually a poacher who was using the creature as a decoy to distract park rangers while they hunted protected species in the park. I was filled with anger and disbelief. Not only had I been betrayed by someone who was supposed to appreciate and protect the park, but I had also come close to losing my life. The poachers were eventually caught and brought to justice, but the experience had changed me. I realized that nature can be just as dangerous as it is beautiful and that even those who are supposed to protect it can turn against it for their own gain. After my recovery, I returned to the Grand Canyon as a park ranger, but I was never the same. The beauty of the canyon now held a deeper, darker meaning for me. I was constantly on guard, always aware of the potential danger lurking in the shadows. And although I never saw Bigfoot again, the memory of my encounter stayed with me, a constant reminder of the mysterious and sometimes tragic world of the Grand Canyon So I had convinced this chick I knew to go on a random camping trip outside of Castle Rock, Colorado. Like many places in Colorado, you can usually just kind of drive up into the mountains and eventually find a spot off of a four times four trail that's not what I would call glamping or for that matter even reserve. Depending on how crazy you want to four times four depends on how isolated you will be. This was unfamiliar territory for me, so the plan ended up putting us in an area that wasn't exactly tame, but it also wasn't like sleeping in your truck at 13,000 feet and hearing weird noises like drums. That's another story. Anyways, we were not really around anywhere, at least when we set up. I didn't think we were. So Rachel and I set up camp, let our hair down, and had a few drinks. Maybe more, more than a few, because she starts talking like she is in a Shakespeare play. Anyways, it starts getting late and our phones are on dead, but I was able to recall that this honking probably started around 10 and maybe stopped around 230 or 3. I slept in my rent and she slept in the back of the truck despite my almost being seduced back there with her. How it started was basically random honking. It's hard to gauge sometimes how far away things are in the mountains can be because sound can travel so far. That being said, the honking was definitely not at an alarm. The second curiosity was that it was seemingly spaced out in a time frame that seemed random. At first, my mind was like hum. Then it was okay, this is BS. Then it was concern. Maybe this person is in danger. Are they dang and need assistance? Maybe a bear, but ultimately, what if this is some sort of a serial killer, and do I really want to go driving around at three in the morning trying to find the answer? My buddies and I take a canoe camping trip every year where we camp on some islands on the river for a couple nights. First night was a perfectly clear night. Had a great time hanging out but knew there was a threat of a storm the next night, so we spent some of the night trying to figure out, do we paddle all the way back the next day, or set up camp further down the river? We decided the latter the next morning because the forecast kept pushing the storm back as the day went on. We get to camp set up and get dinner going. As dinner is finishing up, the storm appears over the mountains across the river, so we all huddle in the tent, The most violent wind and rain I've ever experienced. We had to hold our tent walls up because they were being caved in by the wind. We're all thinking of a tree falls on us. We're all done. Storm lasts about 40 minutes, and then it's done. Campsite was not flooded by the river, but was just flooded by the rain. Killed the rest of the night, and we just all went to bed at like 8 p.m woke up and canoe the rest of the way back the next morning to find about a half mile down the river trees had been blown over and fallen uphill. No confirmation that it was, but we think we missed a macro or microburst by about a half mile. I've been a cop for a little over five years now, and I've seen my fair share of criminals, but this one was different. I was on patrol one night when I received a call about a break, in at a local store. I quickly made my way to the scene, but by the time I arrived, the burglar had already fled. I chased after him, determined to catch him. He led me down a dark alleyway, and I could see him up ahead, climbing through a window. I followed him, but as soon as I climbed through the window, I lost sight of him. I found myself in an abandoned house, and as I walked through the rooms, I couldn't shake the feeling of unease that was creeping up on me. The house was dilapidated with peeling wallpaper and a musty smell that filled the air. As I made my way to the bathroom, I noticed a hole in the wall. Curiosity getting the better of me. I peeked through the hole, and that's when I saw it. A creature that resembled the rake, a creature from the urban legends, was staring back at me. It was a humanoid figure with long, razor-sharp claws and a face that was twisted in a grotesque expression. I froze, unable to move as it began to punch through the wall. I could feel the pain as its claws dug into my flesh, and I remember feeling a sense of panic as I lost consciousness. When I woke up, I was in a hospital bed, bandaged and with a cast on my arm. I couldn't remember what had happened, but I knew something was off. I couldn't shake the feeling of anxiety and fear that had taken over me. I couldn't remember what had happened in that abandoned house, but I knew that it had left a deep impact on me. I spent the next few weeks recovering from my injuries and trying to piece together what had happened that night. I talked to my colleagues, but none of them had seen the creature that I had described. I started to question my own sanity, wondering if it had all been a hallucination brought on by the stress of the chase. But then something miraculous happened. The burglar that I had been chasing was caught and brought to justice. Turns out he had been using the abandoned house as a hideout and had been stealing from the store for months. The store owner was overjoyed and thanked me for my hard work in catching the thief. In the end, I realized that my experience in that abandoned house had not been a hallucination, but a real encounter with something unknown. Although I couldn't remember what had happened, I was happy that the burglar had been caught and that justice had been served. I decided to take some time off and focus on my mental and physical well-being, but I knew that I would always carry the memory of that night with me. The experience had changed me, but it had also made me a better cop one who was more aware of the unknown and the unseen. The summer of 2008 was a rough time to graduate from college. I had just spent four years getting a degree only to find that the job market had all but dried up. As bummed out as I was about being unemployed for the foreseeable future, I found a deep appreciation for backcountry camping and hiking that summer. Growing up in the Rocky Mountains and graduating from a college in western Montana, I was not a stranger to hiking or camping, but that summer it became an escape to the point of an obsession. Going on daily hikes and camping beneath the stars really helped my mental health while I worried about my life's purpose and my future. It was June and unseasonably cold, wet and cloudy. The daytime highs barely touched fifty degrees, and at night it dropped below freezing. Despite the weather, I had planned to hike around the Anaconda Range that week, and I wasn't going to let that deter me. My plan for the week, funny enough, was to hike from Storm Lake over Storm Lake Cass and down to Upper Seymour Lake. Storm Lake, actually an alpine reservoir is a challenge to get to and requires a four times four pickup and some skilled driving. The road is a narrow two-track winding its way through thick pine forests. The way was slick with rain, but I made it to the top with little heartburn. I set up camp on the north shore of the lake and decided to do some fishing. The fishing was miserable. It was cold and nothing was biting but the best thing about bad fishing is that my thoughts were free to wander while I sat on the shore. The rain was a constant light drizzle and created a natural white noise. Time passed, and my daydreams were cut short as a low rumble from up the canyon overtook the sounds of the rain. The rumbling was not unlike a distant diesel engine. There are no roads that go beyond where I was camped. No machinery or vehicles could be up that canyon. Maybe it's a plane, I thought, looking up into the rain clouds, but the sound wasn't getting closer or farther away. And the sound wasn't above me. It came from beyond the lake and up into the canyon. The sound was stationary and constant. This was most certainly not a plane or a truck or a bulldozer. All of this wasn't outright scary, but nonetheless my hair stood on end while I sat there listening. After twenty minutes, the rumbling faded away and I was left again with only the sound of raindrops. Soon enough, I caught a decent-sized trout, cleaned it, and headed back to camp to get ready for dinner. The fish cooked up fine, but to be honest, I hate trout. It's edible, sure, but totally unappetizing. They taste like mud. I ate as much as I could stand and tossed the rest into the lake. Building up my fire for the night, I sat back to enjoy the evening with a bit of whiskey. Night came fast. The mountain ridges put the sun to bed early and the rain clouds obscured the starlight. It was dark, really dark. The sounds of a crackling, warm fire and the rain bouncing off my tent were a great comfort in starting to lull me to sleep. I reminded myself I needed to build up the fire before bed. I walked over to my pile of scavenged firewood and grabbed an armful. Being away from the fire's crackling, I could pick up that all-too-familiar rumbling rising in the background. It was growing louder than before. And closer. I may have had a few too many pulls of whiskey and was tired and grouchy. This noise was ruining my camping trip and my buzz. Frustrated, I yelled into the blackness of the night, Hey! Shut the f up up! A hole! Like a switch being flipped, the rumbling stopped. And so did the rain. My heart skipped a beat. I realized that was not a convenient coincidence. There was an intelligence out there, something sentient, observing me and responding to my screams, and I wasn't getting the most positive vibes from it. I threw all the logs on the fire and retreated back to my tent, more on edge than ever. I just sat there, listening, listening to the fire crackling, to my rapid breathing, and beyond that to the silence of the darkness. Before this moment, i had felt alone, but safe. Now I felt alone and vulnerable. Beyond where the firelight faded, I felt there were a million eyes in that dark watching me. My paranoia began to subside when the rain suddenly started again. Not a drizzle, but a massive downpour. I was glad I had built up the fire or it would have been snuffed out for sure. My tent was being pushed down by the force of the storm. I thought about bailing to the truck, but knew I'd be soaked to the bone instantly. Risking injury or death over getting wet is the kind of logic only whiskey can produce. I could feel the rainwater pooling and moving under my tent. This storm wasn't letting up. The urge to get in the pickup and drive away was ever more tantalizing. I could get my stuff tomorrow in the daylight and spend a few nights in town, but I'd had a bit too much to drink. Driving, especially on that slick, muddy two-track road, would have been a death sentence. But I still needed a safer place to sleep than a wampy tent. Grabbing what I could, I ripped open the tent flaps and ran for the truck. I was soaking wet by the time I settled into the driver's seat and locked the doors, turning the heat on full blast. I hoped that would dry me out. It was going to be a miserable night, though. I reclined my chair and tried to calm my thoughts with deep breaths. The rain wasn't letting up. I was warm from the heater, and I was riding the crest of a good whiskey buzz. The fire was still raging despite the rain and kept the campsite well lit. I remember the truck's clock reading 1 six a.m. I blinked. It was only a moment, but when I opened my eyes, the rain had stopped. It was foggy and quiet. The once raging campfire was just embers, and it was morning twilight to the east. The truck's clock now read 5.45 a.m. It was morning. That couldn't be right. Almost five hours gone in the blink of an eye. I must have passed out. My head was killing me. I didn't feel like I had drank that much to justify that kind of hangover. I turned off the truck and stepped up to survey the night's damage. My tent was completely flattened. The tent poles were shattered to pieces. Everything was soaking wet. Smothering the remains of the fire, I dragged all my junk to the pickup and tossed it into the bed. My hike over the pass wasn't happening today. That was for sure. It was around 6.30 a.m. before I finished picking up camp. As I climbed into the cab of my truck, I heard the rumbling again through the morning fog. I drove out of there as fast as I could down that muddy, bobsled track of a road. Not once, looking in the rearview mirror once. I have never been back to Storm Lake. I probably never will.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
1: This was about ten years ago with my boyfriend, who is now my husband in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. His mom is a big-time hiker and was part of a hiking club that got awesome discounts on these very rustic cabins run by the state park. We decided to spend a weekend at one of them. The hike wasn't super far, probably a mile or so. The cabin was very bare bones. It had a deck off the back, so we were hanging out back there when we heard it. To this day, it was the strangest thing, and so hard to describe. The sound was that of someone dropping something like a basketball, thumps that progressively became closer and closer and closer together, like when a ball gets closer and closer to the ground. The weirdest part was the sense of vibration that seemed to come from below us and or inside us. The first time it happened, we were weirded out but I thought maybe there was something underneath the deck or the house, like a boiler or furnace, even though there was no heat. uh, That was being weird, so we went down to check it out, and there was nothing. And then it happened again a couple more times, and we got so scared we ran back inside and considered leaving. No one we've ever talked to has described something similar. Truly one of the weirdest things I've encountered. I had some friends out from Oklahoma and I took them up the mountain to catch the sunset. We're coming back down. It's pitch dark because we're in Montana wilderness so we've all got our headlamps. About 20 feet from our camp, I see a pair of eyes moving about 50 feet across the way from us. I alert the guys and they ask what to do. I tell them to keep moving towards camp. The eyes disappear and we start to get a fire started not unusual to see deer so we don't think much of it I keep my pistol nearby anyway then we see the same eyes on the other side of camp about waist height up too low to be a deer we are confused and break out our big lights there's nothing there we stay quiet and listen but even in the middle of nowhere we could hear nothing just as I'm about to say to relax we see what is very clearly a flashlight moving through the trees towards where the eyes were One hand on my gun, I call out to see who's there. No answer. The light keeps moving towards the eyes, then disappears. We start sweeping the surrounding area and can see no one and nothing. Eventually, we call off the search and go back to our fire and dinner. The rest of the night was uneventful. The next morning, we're heading down the mountain to meet my wife for a water drop-off. Right where we first saw the eyes reflect was some beautiful bear scat and grizzly tracks all around. Somehow in the night a grizzly came by our camp and left us be. We were cooking and everything and everything and that thing walked all around our camp but never came more than twenty feet close. We all believed that whatever that light was moving towards the eyes was some kind of spirit telling that bear to leave us the F alone. No other people tracks besides our own, and for where we were, you don't just wander around in the middle of the night casually. I still hike, camp, and hunt there regularly. We have three grizzlies and a moose family besides the deer that live in the area. We've come within ten feet of the moose and they just let us go. I firmly believe that when you respect the land and connect with the land spirits, the land will respect you in return. There's no other way to explain how none of us has been attacked. I love this place. Before the start of the pandemic, I hiked a few miles to one of my favorite spots for the weekend. It sits in a valley next to a moderately tall waterfall, which is also a bit loud if you stay too close to it, for myself at least. Sometime later in the day, I'm just relaxing after my hike when someone else stops by to see the waterfall before continuing on. We chatted a bit, and they told me about two weeks earlier. Someone fell off the falls and died in the night. This is the first time it's happened, but it was definitely the most recent an incident had been to me being there. They went on their way, and I enjoyed the rest of my evening. In the middle of the night, I'm woken up by my tent suddenly being pushed on top of me. I'm panicking to get out of my sleeping bag so I can figure out what is happening. Was it a person? An animal? The ghost of the person who fell off the falls? Nah. Just super, super strong winds pushing up the falls and into the valley. The waterfall was loud enough that I couldn't tell the wind was that strong by the sound. Scared me absolutely senseless, but I laughed it off eventually. A few years back, we were having a brutally cold winter. The snow had frozen into ice and covered everything. It was pitch black in the backyard when I went to let my dog outside one last time before bed that evening. As we exited the house from the sliding door of the walkout basement and onto the lower deck, I felt that something was off. Our house backs up to some woods, so I was accustomed to hearing noises from wildlife in the night. This night was different. Nothing made a sound except the arctic cold wind, but I had the feeling I was being watched The entire time my dog was in the backyard, I looked around nervously, expecting a coyote or other predator to pop out of the tree line. My dog did his business, but afterward stopped and stared at a corner of the woods until I got creeped out and called him back inside. I quickly locked the sliding door and shut the curtains, unable to shake the uneasy feeling I had outside. After double and triple checking all the locks in the house, I went to bed. Around three in the morning, I hear the muffled sound of my dog barking from the basement two floors below. I got up, stumbled down three flights of stairs, and found him standing at the basement sliding door. He was peeking his head through the closed curtains, barking his head off with the hairs standing up all along his back. I tried calling him away from the door, but he wouldn't let up. I dreaded peeking out the curtain to see what he was barking at after the uneasy feeling I had earlier in the night. Finally, I held my breath and swiped the curtain aside. I peered into the inky blackness but saw nothing to cause any alarm. A wave of relief washed over me. I figured it must have been a deer or raccoon in the yard that set him off. He whined at the door for a few more minutes until I bribed him upstairs with a dog cookie. I went back to bed and wasn't disturbed again. That is until the morning when I went to the basement to let out the dog. I opened the sliding door and walked out onto the deck as he bounded into the snow. My blood ran as cold as the sub-zero morning temperatures when I looked down. There frozen into the ice on the deck was a set of bare human footprints. They were very clear. I could make out each toe on the person's foot. The prints were large and appeared to be from an adult male. Looking around, I noticed they started at the base of the deck, went to the sliding door and the window of the basement living room, then seemed to disappear off the side of the deck. I had my snow boots on, so I walked around the yard, but I could find no trace of the footprints in the snow once they left the deck. Keep in mind the daily temperatures that winter barely made it above zero Fahrenheit and the wind chill made it feel close to twenty below. Frostbite would set in within a matter of minutes for anyone walking around barefoot, especially in the dead of night. I never experienced anything like that again, but I did adopt a second dog shortly thereafter. It was way after quiet hours, and this guy was blasting his music at a pretty disruptive volume. I finally went over to ask him to turn it down, and I have to do the unthinkable and walk up into his campsite. I get his attention, and he turns to look at me, and he has a headlamp on so he can see me, but I can't see him, and I'm suddenly feeling more like a 140-pound woman than ever. I say, hey, I wasn't sure if you knew how late it is, but we can hear your music from across the campground. He starts rambling about how he'll turn it off and how he wants to be his best. Keeps saying I just want to be the best I can be. I apologized and said goodnight and went walking away. But I heard him walking after me, so I put out my flashlight and started walking faster. I fell off the campground road into a huge sagebrush and got all cut up. But I just laid there in the dark until I could tell where he was. So I met his campsite, then pulled myself out of the sagebrush and ran back to our site. He was probably harmless, but I did not enjoy that encounter at all. Slept with my mallet in my hand all night. Another time we got a tip about a cool, hot spring somewhere up in the mountains. It was up a super washed out road. No room to turn around, so I kept having to move fallen trees out of the road to get there. The whole area had been got by wildfire a few years ago, so it was a pretty unusual sight. Nobody was at the hot spring, but there was a car there with four flats, tons of stuff in it, expired tabs. One of us wanted to camp there, and the other two of us were like, no, absolutely not. The vibes were too weird. We got packed up fast and took off to another campsite about 90 men's down the mountain. I had nightmares all night. We got a name off a piece of mail in the car. It was unlocked and looked him up to see if he was missing or anything, but he seemed to be doing fine. My family spent many summer camping on one trip. My brother and I, seven and 10 years old respectively, were hiking with our parents at a state campground. We stopped because my parents wanted to scout out the trail ahead which was actually going down a somewhat steep hill. As my brother and I stood at the top of the hill waiting, we looked at our feet and realized we were standing in a nest of bees that had made their home in the ground. It took us a moment to realize what was happening, and then we took off running or screaming, but we were already being attacked. Our parents gave chase and swatted the bees away, but we were both stung at least fifteen, twenty times was a pretty traumatic experience at the time. Today, I have no fear of bees or the outdoors, though. Beyond that, probably seeing my youngest daughter bite it hard while we were on a bike ride whilst camping. She was a real trooper, though, and carried on once she got cleaned up. My boyfriend, Jason, and I went on a month-long camping trip to multiple states. Everything had been going really well until October 9th we decided to ditch a campground reservation and randomly pitch our tent near Albion Basin within the Uinta Mountains, Alta, Utah, not far off the secret lake trailhead. We parked our car around 3 p.m. at the Albion Basin campground, closed for season. Admittedly, it was a little tense because this was our first dispersed camping attempt and we had no proper backpacking gear. Upon arrival, we realized the area we wanted to pitch our tent was about two miles uphill. At this point, we started to express regret as we had a planned campsite in Nephi, Utah, that we decided to skip on a whim. After grumping around a bit and having a large lunch to avoid packing food, we packed our backpacks with the best gear we had to get through the night as it was going to be 25 Fahrenheit. We set out up the trail, seeing the occasional family or couple heading down the mountain. As we trudged on, we both started to feel strange, as if we did not really even know why we were doing this, as if we should have just gotten a hotel instead of trying to play backpackers for the night. But we both felt like we had something to prove, so we continued. Fast forward, we made it up to Secret Lake. Totally empty, so nothing like the pictures, disappointing and eerie whatever we keep hiking up and up in an attempt for seclusion and flatland when we stumble across a decent space i see a small cave in the distance and point it out to jason to deliberate if it's a hell no kind of situation but after he checked it out he says it seems like a small animal crawl space no biggie we set up as nightfall was quickly approaching play some cards, bundle up, and decide to go to bed early around 8.30 p.m., as we planned to leave ASAP in the morning, maybe 5 a.m. We both dwindled slowly, and after what feels like 30 minutes, I woke up abruptly at 11.24 p.m. I woke up with a feeling I have never experienced before. I woke up wide awake, scared but unprovoked, and as if there was no way in hell I was going to fall back asleep, when I always sleep through the night. Jason was asleep, so I let him be and just lie there alert, trying to listen to anything I could hear, which was nothing, very silent. Around 12 a.m., Jason woke up stirring, much to my delight as I did not want to feel alone anymore. I told him I could not sleep, but he suggested I'd just rest my eyes as we were leaving early in the morning. I agreed, initially not wanting to be a baby and say I was very scared. This was very short-lived, as Jason could not fall back asleep himself, and we ended up laying there together, trying to sleep when I ended up blurting out I was scared. We agreed it fine for us to just stick it through the night, as it was now approaching 2.30 a.m., and we had a small axe and a pellet gun for protection, so I did not need to be frightened. Not even five minutes later, we are still wide awake, and Jason's head perks up so fast. My heart jumped out of my chest, and I whispered, What is it? He replied. Listen, and I shit you not. We distinctly heard the sound of gravel crunching under boots as if someone walked up to our tent, stopped, and then walked to my side of the tent. I felt the blood drain out of my face in an instant. In real time, this all occurred in no more than ten seconds but my mind flashed a million thoughts and for a millisecond I was convinced it was a ranger coming to tell us we could not camp there. So I called out, hello, my brain entirely sure I heard human footsteps. Within two, three seconds of hearing the footsteps, Jason grabbed the gun and burst it out of the tent for any chance to confront this person. As I knew he heard exactly what I had heard, nothing. There was nothing there. As soon as Jason burst it out and me after him, there was nothing there. We heard something walk up so clearly, but nothing walked away. Hardly exchanging two words, we packed up our stuff, looking over our shoulders, terrified, feeling watched and booked it down the mountain, with only moonlight guiding our way, too scared to turn on our flashlights. This was the worst twenty, thirty minutes of my life, half expecting to look over my shoulder to find someone following us. When we made it to our car, we locked the doors and started the descent out of the mountains, almost speechless and scared out of our minds. At this point, we reached town about 3.30 a.m. and slept in a well-lit parking lot of a grocery store. We have obviously since discussed what happened that night, and we are both haunted by the sound of those footsteps. backpacking slash camping with my family of four near a river in a remote canyon and very wild area last summer was quite blissful until waking up around 2 a.m to a very distressing sound we were sleeping in our hammocks very close to the river and about 40 feet behind us was a tall canyon wall the sound made me think of an injured animal that was very cat-like it was coming from behind us towards the wall of the canyon It was regular, occurring like clockwork every fifteen, twenty seconds. We shined flashlights and spoke very loudly in hopes of frightening it away from us. There was no moon out, and we could see very little, but shining our flashlights around revealed nothing as well. It sounded Sue very close. Our efforts did not work at all, and it seemed relentless and unfazed by us in every way. I worried it was rabid or hurt. At one point, I heard it near the river on the other side of us and was incredibly confused as to how it was able to move around without us hearing it. I sat on the edge of my hammock until dawn with my knife in hand, waiting for a wild, sick animal to come out of the bushes at any moment, and I have to fight for our lives. Finally, around dawn, the sounds got less frequent and eventually stopped. After hiking out, we googled many different animal sounds, and the closest we could find to what we were hearing was a mountain lion mating call. Definitely lions in that area, so I believe that's what we heard. Still confused as to why it stayed so very close to us and was not scared away as most wild animals would be. We have seen black bear in this area many times, and they have always run the other way on seeing humans and cats are even more elusive.